welcome to another episode of the Arcananth podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Rivera. This is a podcast all about people, their societies, their traditions, and their behaviors. We have a very special guest on the show today for our final episode of 2019. I'm so happy to introduce to you Dr. Bettina Hookley. Welcome to the podcast, Bettina. How are you today and where are you calling in from? Oh, hi, Michael. This is Bettina and I'm calling in from Bern in Switzerland. Oh, cool. Uh, do, you, do you like living in Bern? Like, have you worked there for a long time? Yes, actually, I already studied here and then I went away for a few years and I came back and I really, really like it here. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a small, uh, small village or small, ta- small city, actually, but it's the capital of Switzerland. But even though it's the capital, it's quite familiar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that happens sometimes in, in some countries um, where the capital is not the largest. Exactly. What is your official job position and like what sorts of research does your department do as a whole? Um, I'm a senior research assistant at the University of Bern at the Department of Consumer Behavior. And at the Department of Consumer Behavior, we actually try to understand how consumers make decisions. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's a bit broader than just uh, about uh, how consumers choose a product at the point of purchase, but about everything, how we get up in the morning, what clothes we wear, uh, what transport we use, what we do over lunch, what we do at night for the weekend, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. How did you first get into this line of of research? Like what kind of education or training did you have to do to prepare for such work? Um, By training, I'm an economist and um, I was always interested in uh, human behavior, actually, and in in economics. Mm -hmm. There's still this assumption of the homo economicus. Um, where uh, it's the assumption that people are actually really rational and they're narrowly self-interested and they try to maximize the benefits and minimize costs. And of course, when you look around, you pretty fast notice that people are, most of the time, they're not rational at at all. Mm -hmm. And so um, during my studies, I came across behavioral economics, which challenges exactly this assumption that um, people make decisions rationally and they take into account that we sometimes lack self-control or um, that we don't have enough information. We make decisions under uncertainty and so on. And um, this spoke to me quite well. And I, I, it, it was more in line with my own point of view. And mm-hmm. I wanted to learn more about this approach. Yeah. In your department, what are some areas or some questions that you guys will will ask like what are the different kinds of topics that you can cover um we uh, actually broadly cover uh, how consumers behave and the the interesting thing is that they uh, do not always behave ideally so for example we work out and then in the evening we eat unhealthy fries because we're so proud that we actually worked out or uh, <laughs> we buy organic vegetables and then we just throw all the plastic trash that it was wrapped in in the trash mm-hmm. and so on so we see that there are some um, these are not ideal behaviors and they contradict each other sometimes mm-hmm. even and um, so we look what motivates people and prevents them from behaving actually in a socially, economically, and uh, ecologically sustainable way. I mean, I feel so attacked when you just said that. (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, well, you know, we are very close to the end of the year, and this episode that we're recording right now is actually going to go out on December 30th. And like, just to explain um, why, why we're talking today, a few days ago, I was talking to some friends about New Year's resolutions, and I thought it would be a great thing to explore on the show with someone who's done research on the psychological aspects of making resolutions. And I went on Google Scholar, and then I found you. Right. <laughs> uh, I know that you had uh, recently prepared a paper that was all about this topic. And what has the response been to the paper uh, so far? Like, I know that it's only been out for several months, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's been this year, so not uh, not too long ago. And um, so so far, the um, the response is not not huge. So I'm glad actually you called that we we can talk mm-hmm. about it. But I think New Year's resolution is especially a topic that that uh, is interesting uh, now in in this time of year. So in July, people may be not that interested in your <laughs> New Year's resolutions, but at the end of December, in January, the, the topic becomes uh, quite popular. I know with your uh, colleagues, um, Adrian and Claude, I was wondering, like, how did the study first come about? Like, how did you get together and, and realize that you wanted to conduct such a study? Well, actually, it was part of my PhD thesis, and I worked with Adrian and Claude, and we uh, the broad topic was about how we pursue goals and how we can pursue goals over the long term. Mm-hmm. And we thought, okay, New Year's resolution is a situation where we can look at exactly that because... Um, no, a lot of people make New Year resolutions at the beginning of January and they're very motivated to do something about it. And then after a few weeks, the motivation decreases uh, <laughs> fast. And mm-hmm. after a couple of weeks, most of the people already forgot about their New Year's resolution. And so we see that people actually start with their, their goal or their resolution with high motivation, but they, they cannot maintain the, this mm-hmm. behavior. And um, so we wanted to see what are the reasons that people cannot maintain um, mm-hmm. their, their goal pursuit, actually. And we thought uh, New Year's resolution is a nice topic to, to look at yeah. when studying this question. Mm-hmm. When you were formulating your, your, research, um, your research approach, were you uh, like talking amongst yourselves about the sorts of resolutions that you yourself would set for yourself? Well, we talked about it, but <laughs> as, as you can imagine, if you research something, that doesn't mean at all that you as a person are very good at this behavior. So, <laughs> of right. course, we all made uh, the experience that we, we tried something and it actually didn't work out as we, as we wanted to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some of the basic theoretical concepts that uh, psychologists need to be familiar with uh, before conducting studies about setting personal goals? Well, um, so for sure it's to have a clear hypothesis and to think about how you're going to measure the concepts that you you, you try to to look at. And of course, in goal pursuit, especially the question how you measure goal pursuit is uh, is an important and also an interesting one mm-hmm. and um, there of course you can you can ask people how they behave so self-reported measures but there of course you have I mean this is this is good because uh, people 
can just fill out a, a questionnaire and it's quite easy to, to collect information. But um, of course, it's not always that accurate. People might not remember it correctly or they might just believe that they've been better or worse than they actually were and so on. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it has a lot of opportunities to measure behavior like that, but of course also some some biases in it. And another... Um, Possibility is to actually use data. For example, if you have your um, health app on your iPhone, you can use uh, actual data how much people exercise, of course, but this is harder. And in our study, we opted for self-reported measures because people do have, of course, very different New Year's resolutions about different topics. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to find a measure that accounts for all the New Year's resolutions. So we were more asking how much effort did you you spend when pursuing your goal? Are you still pursuing your goal? How motivated are you? So quite general questions Mm -hmm. so that people, regardless whether they try to exercise more or whether they try to be more mindful in their daily life, they could answer it anyways. Mm-hmm. I presume that there was um, like two two stages of, of questionnaire, like one um, at the start when people are, are telling you what they want to do. And then at, at some point in the future, they tell you, uh, you know, how it went. Uh, what was the time in between those two surveys? Um, we did sign them reminders because, of course, when you just... Uh, Uh, ask them to make a new year's resolution and then three months later you come and say hey how about your resolution do you still remember it it a lot of people might have forgotten that they're they're actually uh, participating in a study so we sent them uh, reminders and just tell them hey you said you're pursuing this and this goal um yeah so just to to remind them that they were still aware that that they they were pursuing the goal Mm -hmm. and then after three months we looked at um whether they were actually still pursuing the goal and how much effort they were investing in pursuing the goal. And the the research question we wanted to uh, test was actually that when when pursuing goal, a widely held view is that goals should be concrete. Maybe you heard of the SMART goals, the specific, uh, measurable, attractive Uh, realistic and time-bound goals, so smart, Mm -hmm. and that they are very helpful for initiating new behavior. Mm -hmm. And um, for a predefined period, uh, when you try to achieve something, uh, research has shown that they're actually really helpful. So when you say you want to, in four weeks, you want to lose five pounds, for example, this Mm -hmm. is very specific. You can measure it. it. It's reasonable. You have a specific time. So this should help you actually uh, get started to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, the question is, but what what happened after those four weeks? What happens when you actually lost those five pounds? And a lot of time people say, yeah, yeah, I I reached my goal. That's great. And then because they reached it, they get a feeling of satisfaction and it signals to them, oh, you've done enough. You can now stop pursuing that goal. Yes. And sometimes this is really good because you actually reached your goal. But in many situations, it was just the first step. For example, if you want to lose five pounds in four weeks, your goal doesn't actually just cover the four weeks. You, you probably want to stay fit and feel uh, nice in your body for a whole longer time. Mm-hmm. And so you ha- actually have to adapt your, your behavior for not just four weeks, but to continuously also maintain the behavior. Mm-hmm. 
And in these cases, such uh, smart goals, uh, when you just uh, follow or pursue these smart goals, this can be a risk that you just stop and then all your effort actually goes up in smoke. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a psychologist, but I, I am um, like an anthropologist. And I, I feel like, you know, like if, if we were to, um, let's say, uh, do this, I don't know, perhaps a little more logically, you, you would probably say, you know, it's not just about the next month or the first two, two months. Uh, I want to, uh, in 10 years time, be really, really healthy and be really, really fit. But the problem with that is that, um, at least to my mind and my personal experience is like the, the human mind can't, can't prioritize goals that long term. Is that something that, that makes sense? Exactly. And that's it, that is also why such smart goals are, are really attractive to a lot of people and they help. But our uh, approach is that you should not only use the smart goals. And as you said, such abstract goals like I want to be a very healthy person in 10 years is, is a very good goal, but it doesn't get you out of bed in the morning <laughs> because you Oh, I can do it tomorrow and I'll still be healthy in 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. So um, such abstract goals alone will also be not very mo- uh, motivating in the moment. Mm-hmm. So we think that you have actually to combine um, goals at different levels of abstractions. Mm-hmm. So it's really good when you, you think about why you want to want to lose five pounds, for example, what the, the reason behind it. So this would be a very abstract goal. So this intrinsic motivation, maybe also why you want to change something. Mm-hmm. And this uh, gives you a lot of motivation also to go through with it, maybe also in times when it's, when it's really hard, but you need to make sure that you also have these concrete steps that you get some feedback out of your behavior to see whether you actually progressed and when you have this like 10 or 20 years horizon, it's really hard to get like feedback on your daily life. So mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. You, you mm-hmm. need both. How strong were these correlations or how did the results uh, look that determined these sorts of relationships between goal setting and how abstract they were? So in our experiment, it was not a correlation. We made uh, different groups with different, that they, they were pursuing different goals. And then we compared how motivated they were to pursue their goals after after some time. And we looked whether there is a difference and whether it can be attributed to the different goals. And actually the effect was not that big. And this is also what um, we would do different in a, in a next study to, for example, to have uh, people that were all that are all pursuing the same goal that we can compare uh, actual behavior and not just their mm-hmm. their self report about how how motivated they are because of course as you can imagine there are also other factors so the effect was small it's more um, yeah it's more a pre- preliminary um, version that supports our hypothesis so far but a lot of of other research has to be done to really say that this effect exists. And it has to be reproduced in other studies to say whether it's actually an effect that was not just in our study, but can be replicated. Uh, was it a concern to you uh, what kind of resolution people were making, like in, in what realm of their life that they were doing? Did you take notes about that as well? We, we looked at, at what word the topic were, and they many times they were about self-improvement in general. So a lot of people had these goals about their healthy lifestyle, maybe 
reduce smoking or exercise more or eating a healthier diet. Mm -hmm. But some were also social goals. So uh, people wanted to spend more time with their family or spend more quality time with their partner and so on. And also what was interesting is some goals were about uh, mindfulness or digital detox that they were saying, I, I mm-hmm. use my smartphone way too much and I want to actually have more time without all this uh, connection to the internet all the time. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> um, uh, I'm curious in this idea of, you know, making rational or, or quote unquote irrational decisions in this binary, I guess that it exists in like common discourse that is you know, logic versus emotion. Do, do you believe that such a binary About uh, whether it's, it's kind of logical, rational uh, or emotional? Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, no, I think it's, it's way more complex than that. I think a lot of uh, factor influence behavior. And of course, it helps sometimes to make such abstract types of behavior or bundle them together and say these factors or behaviors, uh, behavioral factors uh, group more into uh, cognitive or emotional ones. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it can help to get just get the overview, but I think it's always important to look at the, the factor in detail that you're studying and not just work with uh, huge abstract uh, words or, or types. Mm-hmm. And so this study on New Year's resolutions, was this um, part of your PhD? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Are there other areas of psychology that, that you've also um, been interested in or you're, you've become more steered towards recently? Um, yeah, well, uh, first of all, this, uh, this topic about goal pursuit, we didn't study just in New Year's resolution, but also in, in other topics. Uh, one was with cycling to work. Another one was with um, pro-environmental behavior. Mm -hmm. So this, of course, is really interesting. And what I also uh, think at the moment is a really interesting topic is to, is this social marketing approach. So which actually says consumer behavior is a part of marketing and marketers, as as you know, has, uh, is very good at influencing people actually. Mm -hmm and make them buy buy stuff and um so social marketing actually is a process that uses all these marketing principles and techniques to influence a target audience and their behavior but not in the terms that they will buy some product afterwards but in a way that will benefit society as well as the individual Mm -hmm. so you you actually use all the techniques but apply it to all the different topics so it can be, a, for example, that they eat healthier or behave uh, more environmentally friendly and so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I like about it, this process is that you actually first really look at the, the target group, about the people you want to change. So this uh, means that not all people, of course, uh, behave the same and not all people have the same problems. And regarding uh, New Year's resolutions, for example, it might be that some people are just not motivated enough. They just set their resolution because um, their friends uh, did it or or they thought they should do it. (laughs) Others just forget it. And a third group might have old habits that... um, 
that just keep them from from actually applying this new wished behavior. So um, with all these different problems, you might actually need a, a different strategy or a different intervention. Mm-hmm. And this, in the social marketing approach, it, it really pays attention to it that in the beginning, you really look at the, the target group you're interested. You look what are their problems, what their barriers that they will not show the, the desired behavior, what are the benefits that they would actually um, show this behavior and then based on this you go to the, this whole bunch of literature about behavior change mm-hmm. and you see what intervention might be targeted to this group. Mm-hmm. I think that like in 2019 as a whole at least from what I've seen with uh, like Greta Thunberg uh, traveling around the world and you know, a lot of uh, climate marches happening around the world. Mm-hmm. From your perspective, uh, working in, in this area of research, how do you think that's affecting people's, uh, you know, core behavior or what they're concerned about? I think it actually does uh, influence it a lot. It makes us think whether the way how we lead our lives is actually the way we want to. And it kind of challenges us because, for example, before we just... Uh, took the airplane to go to holidays and ate meat every day, but not specifically because we liked it, but because it was the the thing to do. Everybody did it. So we we were not required to think about it every day. And nowadays, at least uh, for me, it happens in this way. I am confronted with all these issues. And then I think, do I really need to take the airplane when I go to holidays? No, I could take the train and then I might change my behavior. Mm -hmm. But um, of course, um, this this happens to me and not to everybody. So uh, the social influence you're exposed to differs, of course, in uh, in regards to which social group you're you're in and with whom you talk about, whether you actually believe it. This is also an interesting topic in psychology that you might actually be exposed to some information, but because it just is diametral to your own attitude you just don't you just don't believe it or you just don't notice it and you think oh uh, this this is not true even though it might be i don't know a scientific paper that mm-hmm. was done rigorously but it doesn't affect you at all because your attitude is such so so much different mm-hmm. and uh, like in in your research that I was looking at um you know biking to work campaigns or uh, looking at, you know, trying to become more environmentally conscious in day-to-day life. Um, What have you found to be some factors that, you know, make people want to have those goals and stick to them a little bit more? And, And what are some of the factors that can kind of block that motivation? Um, there are several. So, um, I think one, uh, good thing is that that you ask yourself actually why you you want to change that behavior so so your motive behind it because if this doesn't align with your goal you're most likely not uh, uh, succeeding in pursuing that goal mm-hmm. and these motives can can be of course very diverse but having this motive and being aware of these motives is it helps you also to to overcome ox- obstacles or relapses and to go go through with it, actually, even if sometimes it's not the most agreeable thing to do. Mm-hmm. And um, the second thing is, as I, I said before a little bit, uh, it, it's not about like cycling to work one month as the campaign uh, 
uh, is telling you to do, but actually to to create uh, a long-term a habit to continue with this behavior, even though the campaign or the New Year resolution is over at some point. Mm-hmm. So the, the, this actually helps you to really stick with the behavior when you try to build a habit and when you're also aware to what factors can help you create a habit and and when you kind of integrate all these factors already maybe in the campaign or when you do it individually in how you plan to change your mm-hmm. behavior. That's so interesting because when, when I think about like what I would consider are my bad habits, they are really hard to get rid of. And um, when I think about, you know, new habits that I want to pick up, they don't come naturally at the beginning and uh, they're just really, really difficult to to start to implement every single day. Exactly. And uh, these behaviors, uh, these habits, they might just stick to it even though you consciously say, no, I want to change it. And and even though they they persist because their habits are behaviors or behavioral pattern that you do often and regularly and you do without actually thinking, they're kind of automatically. Mm -hmm. And um, so even though you might say you consciously want to do something different, it, you might automatically just fall into your old patterns. Do you think that uh, people are um, very different compared to who they were like 10 years ago? Or do you think that uh, people behave in the same way? Or you know, is it possible to, to change very radically? who you are well i i think it's possible like in general yeah i think people are still the same than they were 10 years ago mm-hmm. uh, it might be that some uh, trends might influence for example the smartphone is now 12 years old mm-hmm. since the iphone got introduced so this of course changes how we behave but like the 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 factors that that um affect how we, how we behave they're, they're still the same and um what was your second question i think i, I was just uh, just thinking about like how you know uh, i think that um when uh, i was showing my my boyfriend uh like videos of me when i was a child yeah and um every time <laughs> every time when i was a kid i was like crying or throwing a tantrum my boyfriend would turn to me and he would say see you, you do that these days too. <laughs> and it's, I'm just cur- curious, like there are other, t- other videos of me, like um, hanging out with my mom. And I remember like my mom, I think she wanted to offer to help me um, like put on uh, my watch or something like that. And I was like, no, I'm going to do it myself. And, you know, 20 years later, I'm, I'm pretty much still that same way <laughs> where yeah. sometimes I lose my temper and, and sometimes I, I don't I don't like help from from people, especially my mom. And I don't know. I'm I'm just thinking about that kind of thing where are, are people's habits or the way that they behave, you know, really changing that much? Well, they can. And of course, I, I mean it, it can still be that you wanna do things your own way or that uh, you're uh, yeah. Uh, the things you, you, you did as a child, but you can change how you, you react to it. Yeah. You probably won't uh, do the same drama as you did when you were a kid. So you, you can change these habits, how, how you react to a certain, uh, to a certain happening, to a certain situations mm-hmm. uh, and ha- yeah, how you behave in, in regard to it. And this, yes, uh, you can change. I mean, it, 
sometimes it's really hard, but uh, people can change their habits. And um, one uh, possibility how to change your habits or one situation where, where it's easier than at others is when your life, when you have life changes happening anyway. So habits, they, mm-hmm. you acquire your habits when you do things the same way over and over again. And of course, when you, for example, move to a different country, you have to change a lot of things that you did back home anyways. Mm-hmm. So this is a very good opportunity to to actually start changing things because you you have this change implied implied anyways mm-hmm. you and the, there of course it's hard to fall in your old patterns because they kind of don't work anymore yeah or similar situation when you when you for example get a child or when you retire mm-hmm. so a lot of of your daily life changes anyway so this is a really good opportunity to think about which habits you actually want to get rid of and what new habits you want to try to um, to build. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of people go through that kind of, um, uh, if you're moving somewhere else, like the kind of culture shock, like when a lot of people go to university or, or they're going to go into the workforce for the first time, it's just a big change of environment, but it's also exactly. like an opportunity to like start a new chapter and think about like how they want to, who they want to be basically, or who, how they want to behave in this new life. Yeah. Um, is, is understanding people's psychologies, like do, do you and your colleagues find it a, a useful skill in daily life? For me personally, in my daily life? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think um, for me, it's very interesting. And as I said in the beginning, I studied economics. So this whole uh, psychological literature and theories and factors. I learned a lot about it during my PhD and it, it was really interesting. And sometimes I had this aha effect <laughs> when, when I saw, oh yes, this happens to me all the time and this actually has a name and this actually has been researched. Mm-hmm. So um, I kind of became, became more aware what, what what I did or what other people did and, and mm-hmm could apply uh, the behaviors to some theory. Whether it actually changed me, I don't know, but I, I thought it's at least really, really interesting to, to see such uh, patterns mm-hmm. or... Yeah. Uh, who, who are the main people or, or institutions that are like really interested in this research that your department does? Like, are they um, companies? Are they like governments and NGOs? Uh, different. Well, of course, there are a lot of research institutions that look at this, but uh, the, this social marketing approach where you actually can, how you, this approach, how you can change behavior is becoming in, increasingly interesting also uh, for, for governments, official institutions, and also for NGOs, for example, because um, in the case of, of governments, this uh, non-communicable diseases, so the uh, such as mm-hmm. heart disease or diabetes and so on, they're based uh, to a crucial part on individual behavior because people don't eat mm-hmm. healthy and don't don't exercise enough and so on. So this is actually a really interesting opportunity on how to to address these some of of these challenges of of today's world and so also i think in the last few years also a lot of of government have been um or have noticed that this approach might actually be Mm -hmm. be helpful to help them uh, address these problems yeah i think so um and you know i was wondering do you like do your do your friends who don't do what you do um or your family like what, what do they think about your, your work? Well, um, I think 
they find it interesting, mm-hmm. especially because you you can relate to to uh, individuals to your daily life, and I can tell them examples, and they might say, "Oh yes, I know that." It's not some really abstract terms that it's 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 hard to understand for for people who are not working in the topic. So mm-hmm. I think it's a in this regard, it's quite a nice topic because you you can talk about it with with friends and. Yeah. and uh, they all have they they all have an idea what you're talking about because it's their daily life. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, and and have you always been interested in um, studying behavior? Like, do you consider yourself a very like observant and and people oriented person? Well, I I think so. But <laughs> as it's always the case, in hindsight, you think, oh yes, I was always like that. And in the end, when you really look at it, it was also a lot of of chance or or just a, a specific situation that you ended up where you actually ended up but in general human behavior yes always has interested me but of course there are a lot of options what you could do when you're interested in human behavior for sure uh, and so and so what are the options like what what is next for you in terms of like research questions that you would love to dig into well at the moment i'm quite intrigued about applying this social marketing approach to more applied um questions so that you really look around and see is uh, look what what people around you have as a problem and then you apply this approach to to solve this problem so more from an applied perspective not mm-hmm. from a theoretical perspective to see how it actually actually works and how how big the effect of this approach actually is mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, so if people want to, to follow this work going forward or ask you any questions about this interview, can they find you somewhere online? Of course. Um, yeah. Um, I can send you all the links and, um, I am on ResearchGate. I have, uh, on the university website, you find all my email address, my phone number. So feel free to contact me. Excellent. Before we close the show, I usually ask the guest if they can come up with a hashtag for the episode. So listeners can use the hashtag to indicate that they've heard the whole thing all the way to the end. So it's kind of like a secret hidden at the end of every episode. Can you think of a hashtag that is to do with um, something that we've talked about or, or something that you, you care about? Yeah, so I always say hashtag uh, goal pursuit, hashtag behavior change. Hashtag uh, social marketing, uh, New Year's resolutions, of course. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, uh, we uh, listeners can use any of those, basically. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything else that you think that we haven't covered already? Um, well, I don't know. Maybe when you um, stream this episode on uh, close to New Year's, maybe some tips on how to, if somebody wants actually to go through with a New Year's resolution, what they can do. Yeah, that would be excellent. Yeah. So I'd say regarding what I already said in in the podcast, is a first it's interest. Uh, it's important to uh, to think about why you actually want to change to find your 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 motive or your reason behind it, and then uh, look at actually at all the behaviors that could lead you there. Because normally you say, um, "Oh, I want to jog three times a week." But of course, when you think about the reason behind it, for example, you want to feel really well in your body, mm-hmm. jogging three times a week is not the only behavior that can lead you there or the only strategy. And it might not be the one that is, is right for you. So you, you can look at all the, the ways that would actually lead you 
to this goal, to the superordinate goal. And you can, you can look at it and, and see which ones seem easy to be and to you and which ones can actually be integrated in your daily life and does not require too much uh, self-control because mm-hmm. if, if something is too hard or if, if, if you need to invest a lot a lot of effort you will be likely that in times of stress you just relapse and you think oh it's it's too hard for me mm-hmm. so you should actually start with something that is not too hard for you to do that you actually can just integrate in, in your daily life and then you, it's good if you, if you think about whether you can do, whether you actually can build a habit out of it in order to maintain this behavior for a long time. Mm-hmm. And in order to build a habit, you need normally a, a cue, a trigger, a situation that uh, reminds you of kind of doing uh, the specific behavior. So you say, every time I get up or every, every time I brush my teeth, or so on, so kind of a cue that that reminds you of of this behavior you want to change. Mm-hmm. Then you, it's good if you if you reward yourself when you you do that behavior that you get some reward out of it. Out of it. And this can, I mean, this doesn't mean it has to be a reward that you actually get something. It can be that it's just fun to do, yeah. or that or that you feel better or something like that. But it, it should be kind of a reward that you're. Uh, you're motivated to do that over and over again. And then you have to repeat the behavior for some time and um, for the same situation. Mm -hmm. So these are kind of the basics that you are likely to... um, to build a new habit and uh, you said it before, sometimes it's really hard because you have old habits that, that that stick and that make it really hard for you to change. And there is this uh, uh, research on if-then plans. So it says, if you encounter a certain situation, if you're coming home from work, then I will just go out and jog for 30 minutes. So you actually, it's kind of the same logic as how habits are built, that if you have a specific situation and then you do something over and over again, so you use that and you say in normally when I come home, uh, then I I lay in the sofa and relax. Mm -hmm. But you say, if I come home, then, and then you do this, you say you do this new behavior and this can help you actually to, to build a new habit. Mm -hmm with the behavior that you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And what is also important is that you think about obstacles and relapses. And just because you didn't do the desired behavior once doesn't mean that you have to give up and that you failed now. Yeah. This is this is very common that, that you can fail from time to time. And this is not, that this is not too bad. So it's also uh, nice to think about what you do when you fail from time to time mm-hmm. and that you get up on your feet again. Mm-hmm. So be creative with uh, what will get you to your result that you want. Yeah. Don't do things just because other people are doing it. it, it it's your own individual journey. Um, and try and find cues in your daily life that can help you pursue those habits. Mm-hmm. Think about your, your relapse. <laughs> think about what happens if you fail uh, and, and you know, think through that before it happens, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and based on our conversation earlier, uh, another thing is to think about what happens if you succeed and what happens after yes. that, right? Exactly. And think about uh, there are always several routes that will lead you to your goal. And just because one might not be yours, 
there's always a different way mm -hmm. that will lead you there. Excellent. That was really good. Good advice. <laughs> okay. Well, listeners, thank you very much for hearing this episode. If you want to uh, find out more about Bettina's work, then be sure to find us at arcananth.com. You also find new episodes on the website as well as iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you find podcasts. If you want to follow for updates on the show, you can follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit at arcananthpod. And to the patrons of the show, thank you so much for your continued support who keep the show going. Bettina, thank you so much for uh, recording this very special sort of uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Week uh, episode with me. Thank you for having me. It was a great pleasure to talk with you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure you'll, you'll join me and, and say to the listeners, um, I hope everyone has a very... Uh, very goal fulfilling um, and very happy like 2020, right? Yes. Happy new year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, listeners, I'll have another episode out for you soon in 2020. Thank you and goodbye. Bye. Thanks.